Hello, this is Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. This afternoon, I will attend the college graduation of my youngest of three children. So this is a good time to talk about student loan debt. There's a lot going on. But first, I am proud to say that all three of my children are self-sufficient and independent. And after this afternoon, we'll all be college graduates. Now, that self-sufficiency and independence is likely in large part due to the fact that running my private law practice in their early years meant that I didn't have time to really baby them too much. At the time, I felt that maybe they were missing something important as a result of that. But in retrospect, maybe that self-sufficiency thing can't be just taught, but must also come from experience and necessity. But I digress. Student loan debt in the U.S. has now reached $1.5 trillion. I'm glad to see that there are efforts to stem that tide. Anywhere from free community college to alternative ways to finance college to even acknowledging that there's nothing shameful about choosing a career path that doesn't start with or even require college. Today in the news, and actually yesterday, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau announced that it is folding the Office of Students and Young Consumers into its Office of Financial Education, which the Office of Financial Education is terrific. Um, we at South Carolina Legal Services use the Your Money, Your Goals toolkit um, with our clients and others, and that is you know, terrific. However, that's a big change and we'll unfortunately possibly see a decline in the assistance that is given to student loan borrowers. You know, the, the CFPB has handled over 50,000 student loan complaints and corrected some $750 million worth of problems with student loan uh, servicers and lenders, you know, including even interest rate reductions for veterans to the um, rates that are required by law. Uh, one good thing is, as At Consumer Action tweeted today, the student loan ombudsman, whose job by law is to solve student loan problems, is still um, in existence. And you can still file a complaint, of course, with the CFPB, and that is at consumerfinance.gov. And, of course, we still have a great information and solution resource that's run by the National Consumer Law Center, and that website is studentloanborrowerassistance.org. You know, consumer protection lawyers in South Carolina have been doing what we can in the court system to help student loan debtors. Hopefully, South Carolina itself, along with other states, will get busy and start doing even more to protect student loan borrowers as the landscape of assistance with student loan debt um, changes. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. 
and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Today I want to talk about medical debt, because it can definitely affect your uh, credit report, and you don't always know it. Um, Let's start with some statistics. Half of all overdue debt on credit reports is actually medical debt. So some 43 million Americans have unpaid medical debt on their credit report. That's about one out of five people having a negative mark on their credit report because of medical bills that they weren't able to pay. Now here's an interesting statistic. 7% of all consumers have medical debt on their credit report and nothing else. So that's about 15 million people who could have basically perfect credit if it wasn't for that medical bill being on there. Usually the medical bills on your credit report tend to be somewhere between $500 to $1,000. Obviously they can be much larger than that in some cases, but that's about the average. And then keep in mind in South Carolina, the Department of Revenue will take a percentage of your state tax income tax refund if you have a um, past due medical bill, for example, to a hospital or, or something like that. There's a procedure in that situation that's uh, for another episode, um, but just keep that in mind because that's one reason why you really want to deal with your medical debt. So here's five ways that you can keep your medical debt in check. The first one is review your medical bills carefully. Um, Sometimes it's not your bill. I had a client recently who got a notice that her Social Security was going to be garnished because of an overpayment by Medicare on a medical bill of hers. Well, she knew it wasn't her bill. It had to do with a car accident, which she had never been in. And uh, after a really long period of time and and dogged determination and several months of her Social Security being garnished, she was able to stop the garnishment and get the money refunded after um, it was finally determined that, in fact, it wasn't her bill and there was probably some sort of fraudulent claim. Um, there can also be you know, disputes between your insurance company and the medical provider. You don't always know that that's happening unless you review those uh, statements when they come from both the providers and the insurance. Number two is get documentation. This will help you certainly in the future if you end up needing to dispute a bill. Um, Keep those copies that they give you. They should always give you copies of your bills. Don't just, you know, shred them or throw them away. Um, Hold on to them. Have a folder for them. If you're a paperless person or you're trying to be paperless, scan them into your computer. Have a folder for medical bills. Number three, make sure that your insurance information is up to date with your doctors or other medical providers and hospitals. Um, Usually they check your insurance card every time you go, um, but just make sure that that is done. Number four, act quickly to resolve a bill or to dispute a bill. So, for example, if you determine that you don't owe the money, that you don't owe the bill, it's not yours, 
Um, don't just ignore it, as often I see clients do. They say, well, I know that's not mine, so I'm just not going to pay it, and they throw the bill away. That's not the way to resolve that. You need to deal with it. Call them, as that client of mine did, and pursue a conclusion that it is not your bill or that you don't owe it. Um, as far as resolving a, a medical bill and acting quickly to do that, um, that would be you know, if you've determined it is correct, you do owe the money. Um, <clears throat> there's a number of ways to deal with that. Um, of course, you can try to set up affordable payments. You know, don't just let it sit there. Even if the provider insists that you must pay at least $50 a month, if $10 a month is all you can pay, just pay the $10 a month. They don't necessarily have to agree to it to accept your payments. And keep in mind that medical debt is unsec- is um, doesn't carry interest, and so it's not as if that bill is going to go up. Um, negotiate your bill. You can do that before or after. For example, there may be some sort of discount that you're entitled to. They're not going to offer that unless you ask for it. Um, and then if you are under a certain level of income, um, certainly you can check to see if uh, hospitals in particular, if there's a sponsorship available for you or what's sometimes referred to as charity care for people who are below a certain income. You know, always check for something like that. Um, I find that um, quite often large medical bills can be resolved in that way for people who are low income when the hospital determines that they clearly don't have any chance of being able to collect the money. Um, my fifth and final tip, don't put your medical bill on a credit card. This sometimes happens um, in the collection process, and you want to be sure um, that you don't take a bill that, like a medical bill that's not um, having interest accrue on it and put it on a credit card where interest will accrue on it. If you already can't pay it, you're not going to be able to pay it on the credit card, most likely. And then what will happen with the uh, credit card company is with that increased balance that's not being paid, they may increase increase your um, interest rate on the credit card. And that can cause you problems with paying that credit card. So it's better to just make payments on a medical bill rather than make payments on a credit card bill. This is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Today, I want to talk about some considerations about your pension when you're planning your retirement. So, first, uh, two things uh, I want to talk about on that subject. Number one... If you're considering a lump sum payout of your pension, you're going to want to make sure that you review all the payout options with your plan administrator or your employer. 
you want to check your most recent statement to verify the information that they're using to calculate your lump sum. And then finally, and most importantly, remember to consider the tax consequences of a lump sum payout. Um, three things here. One, it will generally be treated as ordinary income for the year that you withdraw it. So your employer is required to withhold 20% of the funds. Two, you could also be subject to a 10% early withdrawal penalty if you are not yet 59 and a half years old. And then three, if you don't need all the money right away, you might want to consider rolling it over into a qualified retirement account within 60 days of withdrawal. That's going to protect you from the early withdrawal penalty and also defer those income taxes um, until you take it out of the qualified retirement account. So that's the lump sum withdrawal. The second thing on the issue of pensions is something called pension advances. These are cash advances in exchange for part or all of your future pension payments. Now, they're kind of like um, payday cash advance loans where it can be tempting to get that pension advance. You know, the advertisements, they promise a quick fix for your financial problems. And they often target um, government employees and military retirees and veterans, all of whom are going to you know, typically have a pension. But you do want to take note here that it is illegal for lenders to take a military pension or a veteran's benefits. You know, another thing to watch out for there is these um, pension advance lenders will often have a name for their company that's uh, patriotic or they may have a very patriotic logo. <clears throat> so here's three things to do to protect that pension. Um, first, you're going to want to avoid loans with high fees and interest, of course. You know, they don't always mention these in the advertisements. So make sure that you um, really are getting um, that you really know what you're getting and how much you're actually giving up out of your pension. The second thing is don't sign over control of your benefits. Uh, a pension advance lender may try to arrange for the pension payments to, <clears throat> for example, be deposited into some separate new bank account that gets established, and from that they're going to withdraw the loan payments. But when you give them control of that bank account that your pension payments are um, being put into, they can also withdraw fees, um, interest, and other charges that may not be legit. And it's you know, hard for you to control what they do in that regard. And then third, you know, don't buy life insurance that you don't want or that you don't need. Pension advance companies will tend to automatically include a charge for life insurance with themselves, the pension advance company, as the beneficiary. And, you know, they'll sometimes try to make you feel that it's necessary or even required to get that life insurance to you know, benefit them, but that is optional. And if they say it's not 
you need to find another lender. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Today, I want to talk about some considerations about your pension when you're planning your retirement. So, <clears throat> first, uh, two things uh, I want to talk about on that subject. Number one, if you're considering a lump sum payout of your pension, you're going to want to make sure that you review all the payout options with your plan administrator or your employer. You want to check your most recent statement to verify the information that they're using to calculate your lump sum. And then finally, and most importantly, remember to consider the tax consequences of a lump sum payout. Um, three things here. One, it will generally be treated as ordinary income for the year that you withdraw it. So your employer is required to withhold 20% of the funds. Two, you could also be subject to a 10% early withdrawal penalty if you are not yet 59 and a half years old. And then three, if you don't need all the money right away, you might want to consider rolling it over into a qualified retirement account within 60 days of withdrawal. That's going to protect you from the early withdrawal penalty and also defer those income taxes um, until you take it out of the qualified retirement account. So that's the lump sum withdrawal. The second thing on the issue of pensions is something called pension advances. These are cash advances in exchange for part or all of your future pension payments. Now they're kind of like um, payday cash advance loans where it can be tempting to get that pension advance. You know, the advertisements, they promise a quick fix for your financial problems. And they often target um, government employees and military retirees and veterans, all of whom are going to you know, typically have a pension. But you do want to take note here that it is illegal for lenders to take a military pension or a veteran's benefits. You know, another thing to watch out for there is these... Um, pension advance lenders will often have a name for their company that's uh, patriotic or they may have a very patriotic logo. <clears throat> so here's three things to do to protect that pension. Um, first, you're going to want to avoid loans with high fees and interest, of course. You know, they don't always mention these in the advertisements. So make sure that you um, really are getting, um, that you really know what you're getting and how much you're actually giving up out of your pension. The second thing is don't sign over control of your benefits. Uh, a pension advance lender may try to arrange for the pension payments to <clears throat> for example, be deposited into some separate new bank account that gets established, and from that, they're going to withdraw the loan payments. 
But when you give them control of that bank account that your pension payments are um, being put into, they can also withdraw fees, um, interest, and other charges that may not be legit. And it's, you know, hard for you to control what they do in that regard. And then third, you know, don't buy life insurance that you don't want or that you don't need. Pension advance companies will tend to automatically include a charge for life insurance with themselves, the pension advance company, as the beneficiary. And, you know, they'll sometimes try to make you feel that it's necessary or even required to get that life insurance to you know, benefit them, but that is optional. And if they say it's not, you need to find another lender. Well, it's good to be back, and I hope that you'll stay tuned next time on Think Like a Lawyer Thursday when we'll talk about considerations about when to start taking your Social Security retirement benefits. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Well, it's good to be back, and I hope that you'll stay tuned next time on Think Like a Lawyer Thursday when we'll talk about considerations about when to start taking your Social Security retirement benefits. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.